Um, our LTG signup is still going. And so if you're an adult and you'd like to have a small group where you meet once a week or every other week for accountability and prayer and reading scripture together, uh, you can sign up. It's in our newsletter or on our uh, Facebook group and also on our website, DentonNorthChurch.com slash discipleship. We're still waiting on people to sign up more. And then we will post a list of everyone who's available for an LTG and you guys will find each other and pair each other up. So we're not going to post that quite yet until we have more people sign up. Um, because once we post it, people start pairing up. And if you're late to signing up, you will miss out on getting a chance of, of more people to, to pick from. And then you might just be left with the people you already were in an LCG with. So we wouldn't want to, we wouldn't want to do that. So um, next is the, Marriage seminar is happening on May 8th. This is our second one, May 8th at 3 p.m. If you're married, this is a way for us to sort of have a makeshift marriage retreat, but once a month for about an hour and a half. So this upcoming one is about conflict and communication, and we'll be hearing from Debbie and Joe Sestaida. They're kind of famous in our family of churches. They're great. And uh, so if you'd like to come to that, just on Zoom. And there's info at dentonnorthchurch.com slash marriage. That's where you can find the Zoom link and also submit a question for the Q&A. Um, and we'd love to see you there for that. So um, the next is a book club that Shayla and Marquia are doing. It's going to be a two-week book club. Yeah. On the narrative life of Frederick, Frederick Douglass, an American slave. That'll be after church on May 9th and 16th. But they have a Google form to sign up to know who all's coming. So they'll just do that for about an hour and a half after church on those days. But please go sign up. That link will be, the Google form link will be uh, on our newsletter. It's also already on Facebook, I believe. And so that'll be really cool to do, um, especially while the, while the weather's still kind of nice and stuff. So doing a book club outside in May is not too bad of an idea. <clears throat> the next thing is a newsletter, which is something we reference all the time, but uh, sometimes don't remember to uh, inform you how to sign up for that. It's just our way of trying to boil down a lot of the stuff I'm telling you right now into a weekly, you know, an, just announcement newsletter of just the boiled down info you need to know, sign up links, all that stuff. And so if you want to sign up for that, go to dentonnorthchurch.com slash newsletter. And uh, we just send it once a week. We're not trying to spam anybody. It just helps keep communication going better, especially during COVID time when communication was even harder than normal. So it's, it's a little bit easier way, especially because all the links are right there. So you don't have to go searching for stuff and, and whatnot. So if you want to sign up for that, please do. It's a great way to be plugged in and not be an embarrassment to your friends. Um, next thing is giving. So um, like I've said before, we're not going to be passing the basket for a little while. And so if you'd like to give a gift and you traditionally did that with a, with a basket, a time of prayer and reflection over the murder this past week of Micaiah Bryant. And so we'll do that and then we'll get into a worship time as well. Whew. Okay. So I want to start off by saying, so when stuff like this happens, it doesn't always have to be me. If you feel led to pray for whatever's going on in our country, um, just let me know. I think it's kind of informal right now, but I definitely do not need to be the person that comes up here every single time. And I wanted to start off by sharing a little bit um, that I saw online again, but this time it was from Dr. King's daughter, which uh, a few months ago, I didn't even know that his daughter was still alive. And it was kind of interesting to think back of that was not that long ago. And this is a young woman that has grown up without her father because of racism in this country. And then again, like a name like Dr. Martin Luther King. 
So it was really impactful for me. So I'm going to share something that she posted. Can I ask some questions pertaining to our humanity? The footage of what happened with Makia didn't, won't prevent me from asking how she could still be with us. Why isn't every human asking this humane question? I care about everyone I saw in that footage. In that footage. Giving this nation's treatment of black people, I am prone to question, does Makia's death demonstrate more of that treatment? Why do we have to continue to explain this question versus more white people joining in and eradicating racism? Have you asked yourself why excuses are right on the tips of many tongues when, people, when police kill a black person for any reason? How can we make true public safety a reality for black and brown people? Do you understand why a black person would be fearful of police? If you don't understand, why haven't you tried to learn more, given the historical and current instances of police brutality with black people? Do you care about that? And if not, why not? Um, dear God, help us care. Help us see people as you see them. Help us grieve and sit with the responsibility we all have in the continued oppression of black and brown people. Um, amen. And uh, while we wait for the worship team to come up here, just take some time to reflect on um, the murders that have happened these past couple of weeks. If you didn't hear about the most recent one, again, ask yourself, why didn't you hear about it? Um, if you haven't thought about it until this moment, why haven't you thought about it until this moment? And if it has been something on your mind, um, just some time to really reflect a little bit more on the sadness that I know that I've been feeling. Thanks. Hello. Hello. All right. I think I'm good. Good morning. Um, yeah, I just want to say something that I was kind of thinking about, and that's just that um, you don't have to feel God's presence for him to be close and near to you. Uh, we've got it kind of mixed up. It's certainly great when we feel God being close to us and him being present. Um, but you don't have to feel that to know that God is near us. That is the promise of the Holy Spirit, that God is always uh, through his spirit in us and surrounding us. And it just takes a moment or two of reflection or a pause um, to just sort of realize that truth. We can get kind of numb to that as we get older and older and feel less uh, strongly about things. Um, but uh, that need not be the case with God. Thank you very much to our worship team and all of the people who've been involved with it. Um, I have enjoyed each kind of time of thinking through some of these things, doing things. I'm not going to be able to, to talk towards you guys because of the wind. So just look at my back. All right, that's what you get. Um, yeah, because they've done a really, really great job. But we want more and more people to participate, especially since one of the most common things we heard on our race and ethnicity survey is that our worship is too white, whatever that means. All right. Who would have thought our worship would be white when we have Grant and Aaron leading it, you know? Uh, so <laughs> maybe next year uh, when we do our BIPOC team, we'll just include them in the worship stuff too. And we'll all get together and figure out what non-white worship looks like. Um, no, just kidding. Um, that survey has been helpful so far. Please do it. Uh, we need a lot more responses. One of the things that's really obvious is that a lot of you uh, uh, people of both of color and not have disagreements among each other, which is great. That's really good. That's a, that's a healthy and important thing. So if you haven't done the survey yet, please do it. It'll take you a good 10 or 15 minutes. It's our race and ethnicity survey. 
uh, BIPOC survey so that we can continue to move forward as a church uh, in really making sure uh, that, uh, that we at, at the you know, top levels of leadership reflect who we are as a community. So please take that, all right? How many of you, no, I'm just kidding, I won't do that. But I might next week, so I'm just gonna let you know that right now. All right, I was wondering this morning why so many people are gone, like half our church is gone. And then I realized it's because most of you thought my less attractive, less smart brother was talking today. Um, so it makes a lot more sense now uh, that, uh, that we're missing a lot of people because who wants to hear from Garrett? I got a call last night about nine that my nephew was really sick, had gotten sicker and sicker, uh, has a fever throwing up. And so Garrett bailed on us. Just kidding. He was still willing to come. And I was like, nah, man, just give me your notes. And he was like, uh, yeah, about that. You can't read them. Oh, I'm sure. As if he had any notes. But to be fair, uh, I have the capability of planning something last minute. So I did that this morning. So here we go. All right. We're going to continue on in our sermon series. We really only have like two more weeks after this, uh, Josh and then Leslie. And uh, so I have a few thoughts. The, the sermon topic today um, was and is about uh, eye for eye. Okay. And so um, I'm going to kind of continue to develop some of the ideas that we talked about at the very beginning, which was that there are sort of four types of laws in the Old Testament. All right, the first one being the fulfilled law, all the food, ceremonial, stuff like that. Second one being the concessions uh, and accommodations, which were really kind of laws for our own sinfulness to make us a little bit better than the nations around us. And those two we've already talked about. We uh, somehow lost the recording from last week. So if you want to like, hear that or um, you, know, you can't, but you can certainly text us or call us, email, and we'll get the notes from Melissa for that one hour long sermon that she preached last week. Um, so these next two though, that we're talking about are uh, sort of principled laws that aren't binding and then creator or creational law. And there's going to be a shift today in talking about laws. The first two kinds of laws are the laws that really kind of don't apply to us much anymore. And those laws are really about us. These latter two types of laws, creator law and, uh, principled, but binding are really laws about God. Okay. So we see that God in creating sort of law starts with who we are and trying to kind of get us on board. Uh, but the, the final purpose of the law is not to better understand ourselves uh, or to set up a system that's super structured and perfect, but it's to understand who God really is. All right. And so we're going to be talking about this, uh, this, these principled uh, laws. I mentioned last time uh, that the law of the spirit is about empowering us to do good not indicting us. If you remember back to the first passage reference we used in this section, it was Ezekiel and him talking to him one day, I'm going to put a law on your heart and move you to obey and follow my laws. Well, what moves us to obey and follow God's laws? It's really one of two things. One's a good thing, one's not a good thing. The not a good thing is that we feel pressure by the people around us to somehow follow a system. That's called religion. The good thing is that we follow a set of laws because we believe that they ultimately reflect how good God is and we love him enough to do it. We obey because we love him. And those are the two things that are kind of constantly in tension. Um, but that's how God empowers us through his spirit of reminding us constantly who he is and that he is worth following, worth wanting to live in accordance with his character. Okay? Um, <laughs> you guys remember Kirk Cameron, Growing Pains? No? Yeah? Really? Okay, some of the old people in the cool section over here, the adults who don't want to interact with people on the dirt, they remember. Um, 
he did this like uh, street evangelism deal called the way of the master and worked with uh, Ray Comfort, the New Zealand guy. Uh, and you know, some of that was decent. Some of it was pretty bad. I don't know. Maybe you met someone who kind of did this, you know, like the first question they ask you is, are you good? Uh, and, and you're like, yeah, I'm good. And, he's, and then they start taking you through like the 10 commandments. They're like, oh, have you ever lied? You're not good anymore. You think based on this, you're going to heaven or hell. And then, you know, in a matter of five minutes, you've been converted to Christianity. To be fair, Ray Comfort was really actually trying to come up with a system that didn't have false positives, so to speak, in evangelism. He just sort of created a new system where we try to convince people, uh, fear them uh, into hell. And, uh, but the way they looked at the Ten Commandments was so interesting to me, as if the Ten Commandments was itself sort of the baseline for what it means to be good. Um, I don't think quite that it is a litmus test for being good, okay? I think instead, and let's turn there, Exodus 21, because I want to make sense of this really quickly before we move on. It was a simply a principled approach, okay? Principled meaning that some of that stuff isn't even binding on us anymore, okay? But it was principle, the principled approach for how to start living according to God's character, okay? We, we tend to live down to what the culture calls good and feel good about doing it. Think in terms of the rich young ruler. And this is actually a really interesting thing. The rich young ruler technically said to Jesus, he had fulfilled all of the laws, meaning that he obeyed the 10 commandments. And somehow Jesus still sent him away as you missed out. You didn't quite understand the purpose of those 10 commandments. Okay. Now some argue whether or not he really fulfilled them or not, but Jesus says, okay, one step, one thing you have left to do, sell all your possessions and give to the poor. So this whole idea that the Ten Commandments are a baseline for us being good, I think is sort of proved wrong in the scripture. Uh, they're rather principles that we ought to uh, sort of find uh, and that, that aren't necessarily binding to us today. Okay, We aren't good and no amount of laws, specifically the Ten Commandments, are going to make us good. Only God is good and only God can make us good. So Exodus 21, let's, or 20, sorry, I, I think I might have said 21, but it's Exodus 20. Let's read through these, uh, these Ten Commandments real quick. And I want to try to kind of get you to think through them in a little bit of a different way. Okay, so I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, a literal bringing you out of slavery, okay? And uh, here we go. You shall have no other gods before me. Why? Because I'm the only good God. Any other God you fashion in my image is not going to be a good God. You're going to be making good from where good isn't and does not exist, right? You shall not make for yourself an image. You can't distill me down into a few neat little ideas and illustrations. I'm far more complex and my character cannot be sort of narrowed, restricted into a few uh, small ideas. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. You better not put a stamp of approval on something that doesn't reflect my character. You kind of getting the idea here with the Ten Commandments? Maybe. And in a way, this is flipped because God is starting with, this is who I am. And then in the end, the other five commandments are, this is who you are going to be as a result. Yeah, maybe. Am I losing you? You got me? Okay, good. So now, <clears throat> once we've gotten the five commandments about who God is, what do you, you know, uh, a sort of an expectation that you better not look to other gods for character because their character isn't going to be good. Uh, and they, of course, aren't God. The fifth of the commandments here is remember that the world still continues to go on whether or not you're working or doing anything to contribute. I am the creator. 
I am the Lord God. I am the one that makes the world spin around. You have nothing to do with that other than what I've sort of given you to do. So now we have these five things. They're about God. They reflect his character and make sure that nobody else is taking credit for character apart from or away from the real God who is a good God. And that's when you get these other laws. <clears throat> Excuse me, honor your father and mother. Pay close attention, in this case, uh, to people who are older, wiser than you. Okay, Honor them, whether you, you know, completely agree with them or not. They have wisdom. You need to respect uh, the people around you. Uh, God certainly, uh, even looking in Jesus, uh, who apologized to the, um, what, the chief uh, priest for insulting him, has respect. Our God respects <laughs> uh, people who are in positions of power. He says he puts them there. You shall not murder. This one's fairly easy. Uh, you know, God is a God of, of justice and certainly doesn't want to take lives away. Life is precious. Shall not commit adultery. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, you know, you don't take uh, people as objects and use them quickly. God isn't about that. We don't do that. We commit. God is a God of commitment. Not give false testimony against your neighbor. God is honest. Okay. He doesn't uh, put people um, into bad situations as a result of, you know, chip twisting the facts, twisting the truth. And then the last one, which is in some ways one of the most important ones, although we don't tend to think about it much, particularly in a covetous society, is God is pure even in his mind, not just in his actions and the things that he does, and calls us to be pure in our mind, because coveting is ultimately a sin of the mind. It's something that we do in our imagination. And so all these commandments are simply principles that are supposed to teach us about who God is and how we treat and should treat other people, not a set of rules that makes us good for following them to the letter. Hopefully that makes some sense to you. Okay, so let's read Matthew 5, which is where we're going to be at today for this text. So hopefully it, in that very, very quick and uh, a little all over the place um, uh, explanation, what we're talking about is these laws in Scripture that are principled, that we're supposed to get people to understand something about God and His character. All right? We've talked about that over and over again and how often people pervert the law to make it something that's sort of easy and manageable for them to do rather than pulling from the law who God is and how should I act in accordance with that. All right, so Matthew 5, 38 through 48, Josh, I believe, is going to preach on the Beatitudes next week, and so he'll take the first part of this uh, chapter, but I want to read uh, sort of the ending part here. So uh, chapter 5, verse 38 to 48, and again... To give you a little bit of backdrop here, and, and Melissa talked a lot about this last week, the kind of theme of the, this whole paragraph was, again, going back to the Beatitudes, which is who God is, which is kind of a follow along with the Old Testament design. And then uh, as a result of who God is, how does this change who we should be? And so it goes, and the, the sort of uh, normal structure is, is that you've heard that it was this way, meaning the old law, the Ten Commandments, but really the principle behind that was this, Okay. So you heard not to murder, but the principle wasn't just that you don't go around murdering people, it's that you actually positively go around caring about other people's lives as actual humans and image bearers, right? Principle there. Okay, yeah, maybe, hopefully. Uh, we'll, we'll, have a, we'll have a longer Q&A after this. <laughs> so you have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. Now this is said three different places and in three different contexts, and they're really weird, okay? Uh, one is about uh, if you 
punch a slave and he loses a tooth, free him so that he can, you know, you can make up for the tooth. Which actually, if you think about that, now I'm not trying to make fun of, of slavery at all, but if I were a slave, I would constantly be trying to get in the way of my master's fist, right? <laughs> Maybe I'd get that tooth busted out, I get freed, there we go. I mean, I was just saying, that it, this is a crazy law. A tooth? That's it? Okay, well, that's one. The second one is talking about a woman who's pregnant, and if you hurt her and she falls, you know, you've got to pay back death for death if it's, uh, um, you know, intentional. And then actually, I forgot the third one. I didn't write a note. So but it's some other random weird thing. So there were these three instances where it was pretty clear that justice was to be doled out by society and was supposed to be equal with the crime committed. All right? Now, that was the law. And the principle behind that law was that there needed to be justice and that justice needed to be swift and also equal the sin, crime, whatever, and that makes sense. However, throughout the law and certainly throughout uh, the Israel's understanding of God, they also knew that there ought to be cases where people should have mercy, that they shouldn't rush to judge. And in fact, in one of these situations, um, oh, I remember the third instance. The third instance is someone blasphemes against the name of God, which, what does that mean? I don't know. In the context, it seems like it's some sort of sorcery or witchcraft. I don't know. I, you'd have to go back and look at it. There's references there in your Bible in Matthew 38 if you want to go look. And this was a case where rather than just immediately stoning her, which they did stone her, let's be clear, they put her in sort of like a, a waiting time period jail cell where they went and talked to people who were wiser to understand and make sense of, uh, of the situation that was going on. And so there was still a principle there of being slow to judge, not quick, uh, but repay evil for evil. Now, of course, in our modern sensibilities, as um, you know, uh, Melissa constantly referred to last time, uh, we have no idea. And the thought of stoning someone for blaspheming uh, is, who knows? And maybe they were wrong to do it. I don't really know. I, I didn't, haven't gone back to really study that or think through it. All I know is that uh, you know, justice in the Old Testament, and particularly according to the law, was supposed to be equal with the crime uh, that, uh, that was committed. Okay? So that's where we get this eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Those are the passages that we get that. But Jesus is saying, you've heard that it was said this, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Now that is an awful statement, okay? Because some people have taken that way too far uh, and have sort of like invited punishment for the sake of the cause. Listen, guys, if you're inviting persecution, uh, you're probably doing something wrong. There's plenty of, uh, of opportunities in our faith and then outside of our faith because of the color of our skin, because of the socioeconomic background for us to face persecution. We don't need to go out and intentionally do that uh, or, uh, or seek that out. But this is a very scary statement. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. Not that we should go around trying to be naked all the time, uh, giving people our clothes. Might as well for the illustration. <laughs> um, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet your only, 
Eat only your own people. What are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And so Jesus is just trying to remind them that there were principles behind all of these laws, and the principles went back to, you aren't trying to be good, you are trying to imitate your Father who is good. And his character determines what's binding on us, not a law system. And it's as simple as that. It goes back to the Garden of Eden where we have one rule, one law, and that law is to be like Christ. And that's very freeing for us as Christians. And yet at the same time, impossible. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Good luck with that. And we can't possibly do that apart from the Spirit. And if you've learned nothing else from this entire series, it's that if you're shooting low in terms of your ethics and morality, then join the crowd. Even the pagans and tax collectors are doing that. And if you think you're slightly better than the people around you because you're just sort of a good and ethical person, Join the club. Everybody else, including the rich young ruler, believes that too. The only way that we can imitate the Father and truly be Christian is through the Spirit's working in us to continually move us to be more like God. But we do that through our knowledge of who He is and our love for Him to actually want to imitate and follow who He is. And this is an incredibly high bar and high standard. And so he does this with all of these different laws. He does it through, you know, the entire um, uh, rest of that passage. And most of these have to do with other people, right? Because when you think about it, guys, think about it. If you haven't really understood what I'm saying because my thoughts are so jumbled because of having prepared this morning, um, think, think about it like this. What we're talking about is ultimately what Jesus says is the most important command. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. You can't do one without the other. It's impossible to love your neighbor unless you're loving them in accordance with who God is, right? So it's not going to work. Otherwise, you're loving them in accordance with your own definition of loving your neighbor, which might be along the lines of the golden rule, which I don't even know where we got the idea of the golden rule. Treat others as you would want to be treated. Most of us don't treat ourselves very good. uh, So that's not a great standard. But no, we love our neighbor through and, and from our love for God. So let me just have a closing thought, and then I'll let you ask some questions about this uh, jumbled up sermon, all right? In most of our interactions with other people, most of our interactions, there are three things at play that govern our reality. And this is just human nature, and none of them are from God. One is a power dynamic. Either I'm in charge of you, or you're in charge of me, or I'm respecting you out of a fear of your status, or I don't know, prestige in your job or how much money you make or vice versa. So a power dynamic. And we interact with each other out of that power dynamic. Number two, out of utility. You have something I want, you have something I need, okay? And I'm going to interact with you in accordance with that. And three, and which is, is has, happens, I think, but is still maybe the rarer of the three, some kind of equal exchange, Talked about this way back when, when we talked about kinship reciprocity. I wish uh, Tony was here so he could catch that reference, but I don't know if Tony goes to our church anymore. Uh, does he? Because I haven't seen him in a while. Are they sick? Something going on? They do go? Still go? Okay, good. Um, is any, some kind of equal exchange. God is basically saying none of those work, none of those normal ways of interacting with people work if you want to be like God. You've got to get outside of all three of those things. Bonhoeffer calls this a weird thing. He calls it uh, an, an immediate 
relationship. He says, in faith, if we're going to agape love people, we won't have an immediate relationship with another person. What does that mean? Well, you got to kind of unpack his ideas because they're kind of strange, but he basically means there's nothing in the immediate environment that's dictating how I treat that person. No equal exchange, no power dynamic, no utility. I'm above or beyond or beside all of that. And I'm going to treat them as I've decided to treat them, which is in accordance with how God uh, acts and loves people, regardless of what the relationship demands of me at any given time. It's kind of like when someone answers the phone. This is a really stupid example, but it's always stuck in my mind. When someone answers the phone or calls you and they're super upbeat, you tend to kind of mirror their language, right? Or if they're like super depressed, you're kind of doing it. This is basically saying there's no immediate uh, relationship here. Regardless of how someone calls you, you're going to act as if their voice, their language, their tone doesn't even matter. You're going to consistently do what you know is the right thing to do. I don't know about you guys, but I do that about, I'd say one one hundredth of a time in my relationships with people. Maybe like one in 1,000. I know, I'm sorry. That was pretty high number, one in 100. No, but that's the goal. Literally, that's what Jesus is saying here is that we begin to treat people irregardless of how they're treating us. It's nothing to do with how they're treating us. Nothing, zero. It's as if they're not even doing anything, which is super confusing. This is not, by the way, a detached love. I've been reading a lot about this detached love, like, Try to keep people at an arm's length. You know, like the 38 special song, Hold On Loosely? All right. Hitting and missing today. Uh, it's not a detached love. It's not a love that says you are an object, you're, you're not important. What's important is just how I behave and how I act. Okay? It's not a numbness kind of love. It's a love that is tied into who God is and his character and has nothing to do with the other person and how they're acting and behaving. And guys, I don't know about you, but that is about as as impossible as it comes for me. I don't think there's any higher call in human existence to be able to treat somebody in a way that has nothing to do with what they've done. And you get to see glimpses of this a little bit and people who've wronged other people and then they've forgiven them and truly forgiven them. And that's about as close as I think most of us get. Uh, and most of us won't even ever experience the kind of wrongs uh, of, you know, someone murdering a family person or something like that, and then actively choosing to forgive them. And we see that a lot right now going on, and people having, unfortunately, being forced into those opportunities. But that's what God uh, is saying through Jesus about what really is the pinnacle of human love, okay? And that's pretty powerful. The entire law is summed up in this idea of truly loving our neighbors as if their actions meant nothing at all. Uh, We're beyond that, okay? So um, I'm gonna do a question response time here. And then, you know, Josh is uh, is gonna come up um, next week and talk a little bit about this creator law, creational law, which is basically just, again, the, the, the idea that I unpacked a little bit today. You know, what are these beatitudes? How do they go back to describing who God is uh, at the heart level? And how is this sort of our new ethic in Christianity? Uh, And so to to conclude here, let me just look and see. I just said, if we are going to be God's ambassadors to this world, ushering the kingdom of God in uh, and preparing the way for him, uh, we have to help people love and respect him. And we do that immediately through how we treat people and not how we just, how we talk about God, okay? Mostly how we treat people uh, and a little bit about how we talk about God, okay?
Cool. All right, questions in response to that uh, jumbled mess? No? I mean, yeah, you're right. It was pretty good. It's pretty clear. So, so clear that my wife texted me literally during the me middle of my sermon and said, uh, I've got a lot of texts. You guys stop texting me. I get like multiple of you texting me during the sermon, telling me jokes and stuff. You know how distracting that is? <laughs> telling me jokes during the sermon? Holy. My wife, I cannot follow your thoughts at all. Just FYI. Ha 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 ha. Yeah, well, I'm sorry. Manny and I talked about this earlier in the week. Sometimes my, uh, my mouth can't catch up with my, uh, my brain. Questions or no? Josh will just come up next week and unpack it all and make sense of it. <laughs> Josh over there like, nope, I actually don't have any idea what you said. Do I need to do like a summary? What did I just say? Is this like too much? Or... Okay, can I have any feedback at all? Like maybe, yeah, be in it. Just maybe tell me like, hey, why'd you do that? Oh, the principle behind do not resist an evil person. Yeah, uh... Well, I think the, the, I don't really know. Thanks. No, seriously, I don't, that's a really tough one. I mean, the, I, the general idea is what I said is about treating people not with an immediate uh, relationship beyond them being evil. But that does not in any way mean that we don't judge those evil things. The biggest part of this, old, this New Testament ethics stuff is that Christians have tried to remake the Old Testament law by having fixed laws. Things like you ought never, you know, execute someone. Uh, that's not in the scripture. Now, we can talk about God's heart and whether or not that's, uh, you know, something that would really reflect it. And I think that's an important conversation. But we don't, we can't remake the law system that's not clearly codified for us. And another one of those is people, on the other hand, uh, who've like intentionally tried to been abused by evil people. Like they literally go in places, let's say in Muslim countries, Arabic countries, and preach the gospel where it's outlawed. And they don't do it from home to home. They do it in public squares. Guys, you're getting what you deserve. Sorry, but that's not, you know, being persecuted for faith. You're going against authorities and, and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, do not resist an evil person. Go look at a commentary. That, those are one of those statements that's like, you've got to be very careful. And that's why, in some ways, um, understanding that we're trying to imitate God's character here, and we look at what does that mean with him, you know, being put on the cross. Certainly he doesn't want us to go and actually do the same thing. Uh, you know, literally, he paid for our sins. Um, but certainly people have been called to do that very thing, give up their life for the gospel. So resist an evil person, got to go back to these sort of principled things because they uh, become tough otherwise. Another question? We're good. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's exactly what I was saying. It's basically the idea that Jesus sums up the entire law with, with love your neighbor and, and love God. And love your neighbor has become so um, cute in Christian language and in cultural language, and it's not at all cute. Uh, to truly love someone who is, and I mentioned this, I think, in maybe, I don't know, six or seven sermons ago, the neighbor, it's important that they're talking about loving your neighbor. This isn't loving your coworker, which is actually in some ways probably easier because you're forced around them. This isn't loving your, you know, uh, I don't know, old friend from a long time ago. This is your neighbor. You know, neighbors are super random. <laughs> now, in their day, neighbors would have not been as random. They would have been your family, but um, still, you're, you're, then the word neighbor, I think, is very good in our context because most people don't even know their neighbors. And if they did, they probably would, would realize just how unchristian they are uh, in terms of trying to love them. But your neighbor's really some rando uh, that's sort of next to you uh, that may have a completely different uh, set of values and beliefs. 
and truly loving that person is the test uh, of, uh, of whether we truly accepted this idea. But you know, it's become so cutesy. I hate that. Love your neighbor. That's cute. Okay, yeah. Uh, most of us just love the people who are easy to love around us, and that's what he's getting to with that. Even the tax collectors and pagans do that. Yeah. Yeah, no, he, but he didn't break any laws, right? So uh, other than the Sabbath, which is kind of a religious law. And I'm not saying that you never break laws, guys. I'm just saying that some of the worst examples are people who are rebel rousers who in groups go into Arabic countries and preach in public squares. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of tricky. And maybe some people disagree with me that that actually is uh, in accordance with, uh, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm, uh, I'll admit that I might be wrong in, in saying that. That's my belief, that, uh, that there are better ways and, you know, one-on-one. -on -one. And honestly, some of that I've gotten just simply from folks who are in Arabic countries doing ministry, uh, who have chosen to, um, you know, it's still illegal to evangelize, right? Uh, but it's highly inflammatory to do it in a public environment. <laughs> and if we've learned anything from, uh, you know, Chinese Christians and Arabic Christians, it's that the church can grow very well underground. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I don't know. I think that's a good point. You know, there's in any of these things that we're talking about, there's kind of like a give and take. We've got to be wise. The spirit leads us. What's God trying to do? The point is that we're not trying to kind of create some new law system. Yeah. Where all those questions come from? Yay. Um, yeah, I'll tell you the easiest way to think through it is that when you read the scripture, it's do what we're doing. Oh yeah. I'm not going to tell you. Um, his question was, uh, Brett, well, let me just, I'll tell you how he phrased it. Brett, you are so brilliant. How did you come up with those amazing insights on the 10 commandments? Because if I could do that, I could be as brilliant as you. So just, that was, I mean, that was pretty accurate. Um, you know, no, I honestly, it's just, uh, so some of that's, well, actually, no, I didn't really read any commentary on that one. I think it's just, you go back and read the scripture, it's what we're doing in worship. You're asking, what does this tell me about God's heart? Um, and that's it. And, and so, you know, I think when you look back through those 10 commandments, I mean, God was giving sort of the baseline for the people to understand who he was. And, uh, and remember the reason that, that he's doing this 10 commandment thing, uh, is because they wouldn't listen to him directly, uh, on Mount Sinai. Uh, they were scared when he started to talk. And so they, he, they were like, ah, oh, Moses, you go up and you do this thing. And then also remember, he's, <laughs> Moses is telling them this as they're building the golden calf, right? <laughs> Which is one of the best, funniest lines from all the scriptures. And when Moses comes down and is like, what is this? And Aaron's like, uh, these people gave me gold and out came this calf. Uh, like total, um, you know, Adam in the garden, this woman you put here, she made me sin. Um, and so he's still giving them this in the midst of them basically already breaking one of the commandments, which they knew because God was too slow to give them instructions. So they started to try to find other gods that they could, you know, follow along, they can manipulate. Uh, so I think that's it. You go back and read the scripture and you're really trying to ultimately, not be concerned immediately with, uh, oh my gosh, what wise and amazing thing can I draw out of this so I can impress people and learn something that no one else knows. But what does this just tell me about God's heart? Who is he? What do I know about him? And I think that's where some of those uh, Ten Commandments, I think you can think through them. And plus, Jesus just goes and reinterprets a lot of those. Uh, even in just in this passage, if you just go back and look through, he's reinterpreting these very commands uh, and making clear from the Beatitudes how these were supposed to reflect who God was in the first place. Any others? All right. Well, I'm going to say a prayer. I don't, do we have a shepherd's prayer today? No? No, Dad? Okay. 
Uh, well, I'll, I'll end us off in a prayer. And if you have any questions, you're certainly welcome to come and uh, talk to me. But nothing else, read uh, through Matthew 5 this next week and try to make sense uh, as we're going to be referencing that again uh, next week. Uh, God, thank you for just who you are. It's sort of like a fairy tale uh, that you are good and that you are near us and that you love us. It's hard for us to believe. Um, so help it be real to us. Please, Spirit, shine your light on who Jesus is so that we can be shook out of our way of thinking and uh, just our low, live, uh, low living. Pray, God, for those people who are being persecuted now in our society, uh, that you would be near them, comfort them, um, give them the strength that we do not have apart from you to just to follow you and to show your glory uh, and how do they, they respond. Forgive those of us who hide uh, from persecution, um, stay in our own bubbles and aren't willing to follow uh, you as you um, lead us on difficult paths, God. Pray for Kurt and his continued healing. I pray for Jack that he'd get better uh, quickly and for Don and, uh, and his eye, uh, you would heal him as well. We love you, Lord. Amen. All right, guys. Thanks. Have a great week. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.